Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Bob Mueller is ready, and he's got questions for President Trump. This is Trump reportedly asked yet another FBI official about loyalty... And did the president declare victory too soon? This is the State of America tonight. When they have no collusion, it seems unlikely that you'd even have an interview. Sources tell CNN that Robert Mueller wants to interview President Trump. That is very good news for the president because it means they are they are starting to wrap up. We're going to be fully cooperative with the special counsel. President Trump asked acting FBI director Andrew McCabe whom he voted for in the 2016 election. Having the president ask that question, it was inappropriate at the very, very least. We're going to have to start on a new basis, and the wall offers off the table. It's totally unacceptable to the president and should be declared dead on arrival. Hello, I'm Kirsten Powers, live in New York, in for Kate Baldwin. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America Tonight. This evening, President Trump heads to Davos, where he'll spend the next few days mingling with business leaders at the World Economic Forum. The trip comes as a stunning new development in the Russia probe unfolds. Sources tell CNN that Bob Mueller wants to talk with the president and that Trump's lawyers are negotiating when and how it will all take place. The questions will likely focus on the firing of National Security Advisor Mike Flynn early in the administration and the firing of uh, James Comey later in the spring. They want to know what the president was thinking, the preceding events, what happened after the firing, how the president explained it to people around him. While the president, the White House would not confirm the two men will speak, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders did say this. As we've said probably just about every day uh, this year since we've been here, that we're going to be fully cooperative with the special counsel, and we're going to continue to do that throughout the process. And at least one former federal prosecutor says the Mueller news could be a positive sign for Team Trump. If they really are trying to interview the president in the next couple of weeks, that is very good news for the president because it means they they are starting to wrap up. And CNN has learned that Steve Bannon is also in Bob Mueller's sights. Sources say that interview is set to take place just weeks after the president's former chief strategist testified to Congress. Let's get to CNN's Boris Sanchez. He's at the White House. Boris, how is the White House reacting to all this news? Hey there, Kirsten. We're actually awaiting the start of the White House press briefing. It's roughly a half-hour late start. Uh, Sarah Sanders certainly will be asked about Steve Bannon's uh, upcoming interview with the special counsel, CNN reporting that he is set to meet with Robert Mueller within uh, the next month. Uh, But historically, the White House has not answered that question directly, declining to comment on who or who may not be interviewing with the special counsel. You actually heard Sarah Sanders say that the White House will be fully cooperative uh, with anything that Robert Mueller requests. 
while the White House has tried to focus on the president's upcoming trip to Davos and questions about immigration negotiations, this cloud of Russia continues to hang over the White House, especially in light of this avalanche of news about the Russia investigation and current and former high-ranking members of the administration meeting with Robert Mueller, not only Steve Bannon, but also uh, Senator, or rather, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who reportedly met with Robert Mueller last week for several hours and then came to the White House uh, on Monday and spoke with the president. Uh, president Trump was asked by reporters if he was concerned at all by that meeting. He said no. He said he actually didn't speak to Senator Sessions uh, about uh, that encounter that he had with Robert Mueller. There's also this question of whether the president himself will interview uh, with Robert Mueller and what that might look like. Uh, CNN has confirmed that the White House legal team has begun preliminary discussions on the format of any kind of interview, whether that might involve uh, written responses coming from the White House or an actual in-person sit-down or some kind of hybrid, uh, White House officials would not confirm any kind of uh, formatting decisions or a timetable for that encounter between Robert Mueller and President Trump. Uh, further, it's unclear if the president would actually comply because we've kind of seen him change tone recently. Just about a month ago, he said that 100% he would sit down with Robert Mueller. And then about two or three weeks ago at Camp David, he said that it's unlikely that he would have to be interviewed because there was no collusion. Plenty of questions still up in the air. As I mentioned before, we're waiting for the White House press briefing to see what Sarah Sanders says. Kirsten. All right. A lot of moving pieces. Thank you, Boris, for keeping us updated. When it comes to speaking to the special counsel, you may recall that President Trump has had a bit of a change of heart. Would you be willing to speak under oath to uh, give your version of, of 100%. If Robert Mueller asks you to come and speak with his committee personally, are you committed still to doing that? Do you believe that? Yeah, just so you understand, just so you understand, there's been no collusion. There's been no crime. Would you, would you be open to it? We'll see what happens. I mean, certainly I'll see what happens. But uh, when they have no collusion and nobody's found any collusion at any level, uh, it seems unlikely that you'd even have an interview. CNN analyst and former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin joins me now. He also served as a special assistant to Robert Mueller at the Justice Department. Thank you, Michael, so much for joining us. Um, you know, we just heard the president saying, maybe he, I will, maybe I won't meet with Mueller. But is the, is the president actually able to refuse to be interviewed? Well, he can take the Fifth Amendment and not answer questions. He can assert executive privilege around some things, but... In the end, Mueller has the power of subpoena and can bring him into the grand jury and ask him questions under oath. And we learned in the uh, case of United States versus Richard Nixon that in the face of a grand jury subpoena and a desire to learn things, that supersedes the president's desire to keep things quiet. So in the end, I think, Kirsten, he's got to have to talk to the president. To, I'm sorry, the president's going to have to talk to Mueller. And so we also have heard that his lawyers are negotiating the terms of the interview uh, that maybe want some to be written, some to be verbal. Uh, how much leverage do they have here? Well, I can tell you from my experience as an independent counsel, when we went to speak to George Herbert Walker Bush, who we took a deposition of under oath, we negotiated with them with respect to the place of the interview, mm -hmm. the timing of the interview. We gave them some sense of the scope of the questioning we were, we were going to ask them, but that was pretty much all we were willing to negotiate. We certainly were not going to 
negotiate with them the format, meaning written questions right. or anything of that sort. We're going to take oral testimony under oath, you know, full stop, period. And so why do you think that they're attempting to do that? Do you think they're concerned that the president is maybe going to say something that would perjure himself or well, they're trying to avoid too many verbal questions? Yeah, exactly. I think that there is one example in the Iran-Contra affair where Ronald Reagan was asked some questions in written format. And I think they're sort of latching on to that in the hopes that they can get a written question and answer. Because, of course, that's like an open book exam uh, that we took in, in, in school. It's much easier to answer those questions when your lawyer is proofreading your answers. But because of that, I think that Mueller is not going to accept that, and he's going to bring them into the uh, oral conversation that he wants under the terms he wants. And will the president be under oath, you think? I would think so. It would make no sense to me if he wasn't under oath. I mean, in some sense, what's the point if he's not going to be put under oath? I don't know whether Mueller has put witnesses in interviews that aren't under oath, but again, I, I just can't see this one being anything other than under oath unless they plan to do a second interview, as was done in the Clinton case by uh, right. independent counsel Starr, where the first one is more informal and the second one is formal and under oath and poured it over to the grand jury in live terms. Okay. And there's been, some, uh, there's been so much news that's been coming out, but one of the things is that reportedly the president had asked Andrew McCabe, who at the time was the acting FBI director, who he voted for. Uh, I've heard some Trump defenders saying there's nothing wrong with this. He was actually considering making McCabe the head of the FBI, and he's a, that's a political appointment, and so therefore it's perfectly acceptable. I hear other people saying quite the opposite. What's your take on that? So I think that there should be a clear line between the White House and the FBI, especially during the time period that the FBI is investigating you and your family members and your campaign. And so maybe in an ordinary course with no investigation and he's vetting people, maybe you get to ask that question. But really, I think that the politics of the point, perspective of uh, appointee should have nothing to do with whether the person is qualified to do their job. And so in this case, with the combination of it being an ongoing investigation and him having just fired the previous FBI director, it seems to me inappropriate and part of a pattern of inappropriate behavior that the president has seemed to exhibit where he is asking the FBI for loyalty. He's asking the FBI to stand down on investigations. He's asking for all sorts of things that normal White Houses do not do with the FBI. Right. Yeah, it does seem like the president has uh, sort of an issue of wanting people to be loyal to him versus loyal to the Constitution or just to the office of the president. He wants that sort of personal loyalty. Thank you, Michael Zeldin, you, so Kirsten. much for your insight. My pleasure. And coming up uh, in person or in writing or a combo of both. Lawyers are hammering out the details of President Trump's interview with Bob Mueller. But could the president just say no? Our panel weighs in.
Here's a live look at the White House press briefing room. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders is speaking now. We'll continue to monitor this and bring you any developments. But first, let's dig deeper now into what's going on in the Russia investigation. Special Counsel Robert Mueller wants to question President Trump, and it seems his focus may be turning to obstruction. The panel tonight, Rob Astorino, Trump supporter and former county executive of New York's Westchester County, Caitlin Huey Burns, a national political reporter at Real Clear Politics. Keith Boykin is a CNN political commentator, Democratic strategist and former Clinton White House aide. And Alice Stewart, one of my personal favorites, is a CNN political commentator, Republican strategist and former Ted Cruz communications director. Welcome to everybody. Thank you. Um, thanks for being here. So there's a lot of news obviously going on. Um, I think, Rob, why don't we uh, start with you? It looks like based on the reporting that we've seen that Mueller seems to be trying to establish some sort of pattern of obstruction. Uh, how worried do you think the White House should be? Well, I, first of all, I think that's a leap. I think it's important that Mueller, for both sides and all of America, know that he's running out every ground ball, that he is checking every box and making sure when this is wrapped up that nobody on either side in the public is going to say he didn't do his job and do it well. But to say that, you know, they're going after the president on obstruction of justice and no, that's that, what well, it's going to be. No, that's not what I'm saying, though. I, I, I don't, think that's what everyone is pointing yeah, to. Yeah, right I don't now. think, I don't, I, I do think that he is, that's not, you're right, that's not what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go in and just get the facts. But look, looking, Alice, at what he is lo looking at and the people that he's talking to, it does seem like he wants to understand why the president was firing certain people, for example, which sort of suggests that these things were done to obstruct justice. Is that an unfair reading of what's uh, happening? I think it's uh, more than anything, it's safe to assume clearly Robert Mueller is zeroing in on, on the president. He, he went from the inner circle to now uh, high levels of his administration and now certainly with Jeff Sessions, uh, members of his cabinet. And I, I think it's really important to, while, while all roads may lead, uh, it, appear to lead to obstruction, it's, it's important that while that may possibly be a conclusion, one of many conclusions, let's not jump to conclusions. And let's let Mueller continue what he's doing, get all the facts, put together his case, and, and let's see where, where things lie. I think we could, there could be three scenarios. There could be a criminal outcome. There could be uh, impeachment. There could be nothing. They could find that there is no there there. But I, I think it's really important, while this is good to talk about, I, I think let's let Mueller do his job and not jump to conclusions. Keith, what do you think? Well, I mean, there's two issues, the, the collusion issue and the obstruction of justice issue. We know that top Trump campaign officials met with a Russian who they believed to have information that was negative about Hillary Clinton during the campaign. We know that top campaign officials from Trump did not disclose their contacts with Russia, including Jeff Sessions and others. And uh, we also know that Trump fired James Comey as a result of the Russia investigation. Mm -hmm. And we know that Michael Flynn was compromised by this, and Michael Flynn has now pleaded, pled guilty to his involvement for uh, lying to the FBI. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, fire there that's not just smoke. And I think that uh, it, it's a reasonable leap to assume that this is an obstruction of justice investigation that is centered directly on Donald Trump. Yeah, and also the, the president um, has been going after Andrew McCabe. Um, it was reported when he was the acting director of the FBI. He asked him who he voted for. Uh, some people say there's nothing wrong with that. Other people say it's a very, very gross violation of, of most of the norms that people have observed. Um, but why, why is the president so obsessed with Andrew McCabe? He attacks him on Twitter all the time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And this partisanship that they've been playing up, not only the president, but his allies in Congress. And that's why I'm kind of interested to see what we hear from the president this week and if we see the efforts by Republicans in Congress to really ramp up the rhetoric. Because that's the thing with this administration. We've seen it react in real time, even when lawyers are cautioning the president you know, to be quiet and let this play out as Alice laid out, which is the right thing to do. We've seen the president react very strongly when we think uh, there are con- his own concerns about this. So if we see that kind of ramp up, I think that would be pretty telling about what they think is coming down. One of the things I find interesting about this, Keith, Keith, I want to ask you, and then I I want you to respond to this as well. What do you think would have happened if President Obama or any Democratic candidate, president, had ever attacked the FBI the way uh, the president is attacking attacking the FBI right now? Remember what happened when Bill Clinton simply uh, went on the plane with Loretta Lynch, uh, the, the attorney general, uh, in 2016, that caused a huge uproar in the in the, in the Republican Party, uh, and now we have the President of the United States, who is basically explicitly interfering with an, an ongoing FBI investigation into himself and his staff and his campaign, and the Republicans are completely silent about it. There is no way this would have happened without with, with President Obama in office without calls for impeachment. But not only that, but not only that, because look, it did. But not only that. Conservatives and, and and Republicans typically like law and order. They like the FBI. The, the idea that the FBI is this sort of bastion of hippie liberals, right, who are somehow after Donald Trump, is, is it's kind of silly, you know. And so I, it's just interesting that all of a sudden the FBI has become this villain. Um, when I think, like I said in the past, I honestly think if a Democrat had attacked them, they would have been accused of being un-American. Well, the FBI deserves attacks right now because they're self-inflicted wounds. I mean, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, Hillary Clinton says they cost her the election, right? So both sides are to be a little weary of how the FBI has been used or inserted itself into the election. So the FBI is out to get the Democrats and the Republicans? I'm not not saying that, but I think think what happens here with McCabe on the question of, you know, who did you vote for? If McCabe said, yeah, I voted for Clinton, I hate you, <laughs> you think he's going to make him acting director? One thing, though, with, with the, Why the, the, question? the administration's... Why not? What's, what's the, because it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate to whom? The, the Justice Department, the FBI, are supposed, to be, they're supposed but, to be loyal to the that? law, not yeah, right. to the president of the United States. But they also serve at the direction of the president. I, I think, the though, the, the, the administration's constant attacks on the FBI, granted, there are bad apples in every administration, every organization, and I don't think that applies here with the FBI. I think they're constant attacks to say that the FBI was in the tank for Hillary Clinton. By the way, Hillary Clinton lost, Donald Trump won. And I, I do have a problem with the administration saying this is a witch hunt or this is a hoax or this is not a, a, an accurate investigation. I wish and hope that they in the future continue to do what they say they're doing is fully cooperating with this investigation. Because at the bottom line, we need to find out about Russian interference in our lives. Yeah, and also our institutions matter. You right. know, tearing down institutions is not generally a good thing. We want Americans to be able to trust institutions. Uh, inaction, dysfunction, frustration... Sounds like a normal day in the Capitol, on Capitol Hill, but a failure to compromise could have consequences beyond the lives of 800,000 so-called dreamers. Our panel returns next. God forbid, but the pictures of people being deported will rally the nation and these more mainstream Republicans, admittedly not a majority of the Republican Party, but enough when you add them to Democrats could pass the bill. 
That was Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on MSNBC arguing that Democrats may come out on top even if Congress fails to act to protect the young immigrants known as DREAMers. And Congress appears headed just that way with no sign of an immigration plan that could pass both chambers. The panel is back. So, Keith, uh, the conventional wisdom in the last couple of days has been that Donald Trump won and Chuck Schumer's a big loser. And um, it's starting to look like maybe that's not entirely the case, especially if you look at the fact that the president has set this deadline on DACA and now is sort of facing it down. And if something isn't, doesn't happen, you're going to see a bunch of deportations and people are going to blame him for it. What's your take on the situation? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of people, especially in the left, were very critical of Chuck Schumer immediately after the deal was uh, brokered. And I tried to hold my fire because I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't think yeah. anybody really knows what's going to happen. So my tendency is to wait until February 8th. If by February 8th we have another shutdown or we have, a, we have progress on DACA, I don't necessarily think it's likely. But that will ultimately determine whether what happened this past week was a success or a failure. I think it's too early to judge that right now. I think a yeah. lot of it could have been avoided if, if they had paid attention to the CNN poll last week that said more, about 6 out of 10 Americans would rather... Uh, avoid a shutdown and wor wor worry about DACA later. Let's let funding the government be a top priority and the DREAMers be second. And unfortunately, Democrats were hell-bent on, on pushing for DREAMers, which I, I, I hand it to them for you know following their heart, but it ended up, I feel like it backfired. No one wins in a shutdown, but I think that the Democrats really lost some ground on leveraging moving forward. And I think we have a lot of talking to do, so we don't, we're not in the same situation in, in February. But Caitlin, look at what was given up. The president mm -hmm. had gotten an offer from Chuck Schumer to uh, for funding for the wall, mm -hmm. um, which the Democrats say was what they basically gave the number that the president had put on the table. Mm -hmm. Now that's been pulled back, and Schumer mm -hmm. has said, "Forget it; it's not going to be there." And that that was a mm -hmm. big concession. We have to remember that Democrats mm -hmm. are very, very opposed to funding the wall in any way. Mm -hmm. And again, now we're facing a deadline where. Mm -hmm. Because of Trump's own actions, you mm -hmm. can see a bunch of people deported, and he will be blamed for that. Right, and and Democrats are thinking that they have now removed Chip from this whole scenario, right? Kind of starting with like a baseline of, of of things to go forward with. The problem, though, is that they're staking a lot of faith in the in the notion that Republicans are going to are, are a monolithic group on immigration. Mm -hmm. um, anybody who's followed this Congress for you know the past several years knows that there are significant divisions within the Republican Party oh, yeah. on the issue of immigration. There's like five sides, exactly. <laughs> um, so the idea that uh, public pressure and bipartisan support is going to motivate the House of Representatives to act on this, we've already seen that fail in terms of comprehensive immigration reform. So. Right. Right. You know, the White House shows that they want to take the lead on this. They're meeting with a lot of lawmakers. And so, you know, when you're looking at, at the stakes involved, they're, they're getting involved here, which is pretty mm -hmm. significant. So Sarah Sanders just said in the uh, White House press briefing that the White House is going to release a legislative framework on insurance. What's it going to say? That's good because Tuesday... Oh, I'm sorry, on immigration. I yeah, didn't say insurance. But Tuesday is the State of the Union address. Yeah. So it's perfect for them to release this information. Then the president pounded home on Tuesday night and rally well, America and both sides. What does he want? I think, well, it's going to have to include the wall. I mean, he ran on that and he yeah. got elected on that. But the crazy part is America, in all of the polling, agrees with both sides. They want DACA. They also want border security and a wall. 
And so both sides can win here. They want border security. They do. They do support that. Show me a poll that says the American people want the wall. They want border security. They want border security. That's not the same as the wall. And Donald Trump promised that the wall was going to be paid for by Mexico. And now he's... No, that's not a wall. I'm just saying. It's not just something. I can't run an entire campaign and every campaign rally say Mexico is going to pay for the wall. And then when it comes time to govern, say, oh, I didn't mean that. That's ridiculous. Ultimately, if the wall gets built or part of it gets built, it's not going to matter whether Mexico paid for it or it not. It does yeah. matter. It's about the it's integrity not. of the I word think, of the yeah. president but, of the United but, States. But ultimately, I think the wall going up is what's going to be important. Okay, well, you guys will have to settle this uh, in, the green room <laughs> in the green room with drinks. Okay, thank you, everybody. And uh, this is day 370 of Trump's, uh, President Trump's administration, and that's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.